You are listening to Mars Attacks podcast, a member of Talking Metal Digital and the Cast Iron Ring. What's happening? This is Tommy Victor from Prong and Danzig and Ministry. Hey, this is Russ Long from Symphony X. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiskut. Hey, this is Kurt Winston of Down, Crowbar, and Kingdom of Sorrow. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attack. Hey, this is Chuck Billy, Bobby Blitzer, Overkill. Hi, this is Chris Poland. Hey, this is John Oliva, and you are listening to Mars Attack, so crank it up. Hi, this is Udo Dutzada of UDO, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. This is Vinny Apsey from Kill Devil Hill, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Let's do it! Welcome, one and all, to episode 92 of the Mars Attacks podcast. This is your host, Victor, as usual. Back after almost six damn weeks. I feel like a Boston lyric here. It's been such a long time. 
Uh, as you can tell, my voice is still a little affected. Uh, if you've listened to the last episode that I did with Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, I was really hurting that night, and we did a lot of second takes of different things that I was saying. I uh, just recently did an episode of the Despel Geek podcast regarding the band Anthrax, and similar deal. There were a few instances there where I was talking to the guys and I had to mute my mic, cough my brains out, uh, drink some water, and talk to them. For those of you that are checking this out for the first time, or those of you that are impatient because you haven't had episodes of Mars Attacks, uh, this is all health-related issues that keep coming around and that I've been dealing with since April of last year. Uh, I mean, I've mentioned it here and there, mentioned a little bit on Talking Metal, uh, mentioned it on my other podcast, which has been dormant for a very long time. But for those of you listening to um, this podcast, uh, due to some medication which I was wrongfully prescribed last year, uh, that essentially destroyed all the flora in my stomach. I've been getting sick left and right since last April. Done a bunch of different tests, done a lot of different things, and basically uh, just been trying to reset that same flora and do you know all types of different drug-related treatments to get everything back on track. Uh, still isn't there. In the meantime, uh, what ends up happening is anytime that someone gets sick in my house, I get sick. Anytime someone around me gets sick, I get sick. Uh, I can't take anything outside of what I'm prescribed to reboot my flora or Tylenol because anything else could basically just wipe everything out again and we're back to square one. I uh, just recently saw... Up on Blabbermouth, uh, the, a member of the band Believer that's going through something similar, what he's going through is, um, is, is a lot more severe than what I'm going through. Um, in the sense that, and this is Jeff King, uh, he's the keyboardist and bass player of Believer, um, he's going through something that's much more severe. I mean, he had a part of his intestine taken out. Hopefully, uh, you know, I don't have to go to that extreme to get better. And it sucks because I was feeling really great. Got to um, jam with a few friends um, about, you know, six and a half weeks ago. And I started finally thinking, and I guess I jinxed myself, you know, wow, you know, I'm finally getting better. You know, this is the best I've felt in, in you know, over a year. And, wow, you know, I, I this is great. This is, everything's turning around. And then all of a sudden my wife got sick with a pretty nasty virus. And then my son got sick uh, with the same virus. And my in-laws and I was thinking, please don't let, you know, please, please <laughs> don't let me get this. And sure enough... It only took about 48 hours, and I was down for the count. Was 
sick for an entire week. I mean, they got over this 24-hour virus, more or less, knocked me down for about uh, for about a week, and it was just horrendous because it's you know continuous nausea, continuous you know having to go to the bathroom, um, continuous stomach pains, which is just ridiculous. I mean, you can't do anything. You lose all of your energy as well. Uh, you don't feel like eating anything. And, I mean, really, since November, all I've really eaten is pasta, chicken breasts, or turkey breasts, soup. Uh, I can eat rice, but rice, unfortunately, um, upsets my stomach. So that's out of the question, you know. That means that I'm up all night with all types of ridiculous indigestion. So that's out of the picture. I can eat white fish, which the times that I've done that has pretty much, you know, made me go to the bathroom 80 times a night. 80 times is, you know, is exaggerating, but a good 12, 13 times, not fun. So, um, so yeah, so that's why I haven't been putting these episodes out. I spoke to Tommy Victor... I mean, we're in July now. I believe it was late May. And it sucks because I really want to help, you know, people out when their bands come out, especially a band like Prong. A band like Prong means a lot to me. Um, If you guys haven't checked out what I do with the Classic Albums column, Prong's Cleansing was the second album featured during the Classic Albums series. Why was that number two after Metallica's Justice for All? Easy. Because this album, to me, um, represents the start of something that really changed the game in the 90s a lot of bands came in after this album and borrowed from them and it's funny because one of my friends that I jammed with he was playing some new material for his band it's a local band here in Spain they're you know they're pretty well known in this part where I live but they don't have national recognition they obviously don't have international recognition but the one thing that I said to him, I said, you know, you guys continue to sound like Prong, and I know this isn't your influence because he's a big Machine Head fan. He's a big fan of Pantera. Two bands that have listened to Prong and taken what Prong's done and become big with their music, similar to a band like Pentagram, where Pentagram has a huge influence on a lot of bands, but don't have the recognition outside of musicians or outside of, you know, people that are really into doom metal that have known them since essentially the 70s, you know? So Prong is sort of that band from the, you know, 90s that, late 80s, early 90s, that really put out a ton of great influential music and really haven't received the same type of accolades that bands like Machine Head or bands like, you know, um, like Pantera or others 
they 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 haven't received that recognition that they deserve. So when I'm able to interview Tommy Victor and and I'm able to help get the word out there for this band, it's really my pleasure to do so because I really enjoy this band. Uh, if you're looking to check out that episode that I did with Tommy where we featured cleansing, uh, you can actually go to the show notes of this episode and it will be linked there. You'll find you know comments written on the page uh, on the page where it was originally posted you know and you'll also find a podcast you can listen to and download obviously. Um, aside from you know Tommy Victor, you have Gene Hoagland and the whole cast of characters that usually chime in. We also have a written interview with uh, Ted Parson, who was the drummer back then. Ted Parsons, excuse me, with a S at the end. So, um, really love the album. Really love everything Prong has done. And I really think their new album, Ruining Lives, to me, is one of the best things that has come out this year. I mean, I think my top four favorite albums are really clear-cut as to what they are so far. And it's, it's ridiculous to see these lists that are starting to pop up. The best of 2014. The best of 2014. So far! And they're bands that no one's ever heard. But because your metal cred needs to be satisfied or you need to throw it out there and show how cool you are, you're going to pick a band that not even the bass player's mother knows exists. But hey, whatever. If you like it, that's cool. But to me, top four albums so far this year. Uh, maybe top five. All right, I'll throw five out there that I've really... Enjoyed so far. Prong Ruining Lives, easily. One of the best albums, in my opinion, that's come out this year. There's just something about this album. Well, there's something. There's Tommy Victor's vocals are just ridiculous on this. It is the best vocal performance Tommy has ever had, in my opinion. And it really adds a new dimension to what the band does. You have that. You have Monty Pittman, who was on the previous podcast. And was also a member of Prong. His album, The Power of Three, just sensational. Just another album that, you know, goes out on a limb and just shows how, you know, things used to be done. You used to buy albums and used to listen to them from start to finish. Why? Because the albums took you on a journey. They had peaks and valleys. They had different things to take in where it wasn't, you know, oh, well, let's rehash, you know, our hit from from our heyday. And let's take that one bass line that stood out. Let's do something similar to that. And let's do a chorus similar to that. And let's do a ballad because we did have that one, you know, popular ballad way back then. So we need to have a popular ballad on this album as well. No. Monty Pittman's album has different things where it goes from rock to hard rock, to alternative, to metal. There are all types of different things, and they're all different flavors that you can absorb. And as a music fan, as a rock fan, as a metal fan, I appreciate it. So there's that. 
The new Mastodon album, I know that a lot of Mastodon fans have already crapped on it because it's too melodic, it's too soft. It isn't Leviathan, man. Well, you know, they said since Crack the Sky that they were, you know, probably going to get, or probably going to go more in the direction of the types of bands that influenced them. And I think it's a very cool album, in my opinion. I like it. Uh, that's one of my favorites. I would have to say Killer Be Killed, which also features Troy from the band, um, from Mastodon, that is. is very cool as well. And I think that the new Behemoth was pretty cool, and I'm not a big, you know, black metal fan, but I thought it was I thought it was a good album. So that's that. Those are my top five albums for the first half of the year, and I'm sticking to it. So um, let's see. When we kick things off, we started out with a track by Prong. We did carved into stone which is the title track off of the previous album let's go back and play something you know something classic by the band uh let's see hmm we're not going to go into something off of cleansing because i want you guys to check out that you know classic albums column but let's do something off of Rude Awakening. Let's do let's do a little bit of unfortunately off of Rude Awakening.
up with all things Mars Attacks? Show your support by liking us on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. Follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash Mars Aries 2005. Don't want to miss out on an episode of the podcast? Go to iTunes or to Stitcher and subscribe. While you're there, leave us your comments. For more information, go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. All right, let's check out something a little more classic by the band. This is coming off of Prove You Wrong. This is Unconditional.
by checking out all of the great stores we've affiliated to. Go to Affiliate Stores and click on the merchant you're interested in purchasing from. It's that easy. You don't pay anything more and we receive a small percentage of each sale. All right, let's hop on something from Ruining Lives. Let's do Turn Over, which is the first single off of the album. And right after that, let's jump right on into the interview with Tommy Victor from Prong. Turning it over. 
wanted to ask you a few questions here about the album and just various other things regarding your career. And um, right off the bat, uh, and I know that you've answered this for another show, but I, I wanted to sort of get uh, your take on this uh, regarding piracy and why the album was released on different dates in different continents. Because obviously that does sort of affect whether people are actually downloading or actually going out and buying the album. Is that something that really disturbs you that it was released on different dates or what's your take? I think it has to do with the fact that we are signed to a German label. Okay. And most of the concentration for their marketing and their retail promotion, all that stuff is centered around Europe. Uh, I don't really, I don't really know if they even <laughs> have much uh, care about about North America. So that that if that's a problem, but uh, it is what it is. And you know, there's a limited amount of record companies these days, and for the most part, they've done a great job. But uh, uh, I think that we don't we're not that concerned with piracy, et cetera. Because uh, essentially, we've done a lot of our marketing through Spotify anyhow, and uh, I think that's a huge vehicle for bands and artists to get exposure these days. So um, that's why we're like, hey, check out the record on Spotify. It's, I mean, it's been available for that long anyhow, and it's almost, I feel that it's getting to the point where you're going to make records to be on Spotify and There'll be more sites like that. So, sure. I'm not, as far as actual downloads, and uh, I don't know if people really need to do that that much because your accessibility to the sites like Spotify are uh, uh, are so prevalent or available. So, sure. it's just the way it is right now. Uh, uh, it's just to keep the band going, and uh, there's other ways to to make records. I mean, I mean to make money, which is uh, I guess through vinyl, really. And uh, you know, we we blew out our vinyl in the first day uh and you know we we sold a lot of singles or seven inch singles and you know the vinyl seems to be the big deal now and uh as long as we get the name out there these days and, and you know, let people know that prong is still alive and well and making good records uh that seems to be the priority understood and, and a very good point i mean spotify really seems to be what's driving a lot of tendencies i mean they changed itunes the way that they you know, offer their music as well. So, I mean, it, it is a smart way of going about things. Well, it's gotten to the point where, I mean, you could, what's, what's cool, I mean, for me, I mean, really, I mean, essentially that's all I really use these days. Right. And, uh, you know, I'll, you, you can go on one of their stations and their stations are really good. And uh, I, I, if, I, if there's a song I like, I, I add that to a playlist right off that. So then when I'm offline, I could listen to whatever I want. You're based on what, what's been up there and, you know, and make, it a play, make a playlist from old records that I don't have anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's been a lot more interest in prong based on that, where people go, oh, I, you know, I want to check out, you know, one of the early releases. And I mean, for a legacy band, you know, like prong, it, it's, it's absolutely great because otherwise... People won't, you know, like today, it's hard to find some of the older records, and now more people are aware of them. Right. And I find that way for older groups, too. Like, you know, like I had, a, a, you know, an old Montrose record that I don't even know about, that I don't have anymore. And to find that, other than going on, you know, maybe 
on Amazon. I don't even think it's available anymore. And, you know, I'm able to listen to it, you know, a lot these days. Right. And if it is available, it might be like 200 bucks. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're able to get the stats from all the plays for this album and all of the older albums and really use yeah. that as a tool. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they'll actually, uh, send you a graph and, uh, you know, like when ruining lives came out and it was, it was, pushed heavily through Spotify, uh, we just saw it on the graph. I mean, it, the, the amount of listens uh, in that first week of the release were, be, were more than we've had the whole year. So uh, as far as build, for building bands or, you know, keeping things going for older groups, it's, it's, uh, it's the only way to go right now. I mean, there's not that many stores, and you know, this is the way to do it. Right. Are you able to see geographic information to, say, plot out tours that way also? Uh, I haven't gone that far into it. I mean, essentially, you, you have to cover everything as much as you can, regardless of, of where people are hearing things. I mean, uh, traditionally, you try to hit places where, you know, you need help. But, uh, you know, we get, at this point, you know, we just take whatever we can get, you know, as far as touring goes. Sure. Okay. Now, with Ruining Lives, you reteamed with Steve Evitz. What does Steve bring to the table that made you want to get him involved with this album as well? Mainly, it's vocal production, and that's where he helps considerably. In previous records, I was sent into a vocal booth without any guidance, really. I, I just thrown in there, do whatever you want, sound tough, and that's it. Where now, you know, I'm getting, you know, direction. Uh, Steve's worked with a lot of groups and uh, has a lot of successful records, and uh, that's what attracted me to him initially was the fact that uh, he had that, that span of, of, uh, of, of groups that he's worked with and artists uh, anywhere, from, you know, from Robert Smith to The Cure to you know, Jamie Josta. So he, he always points out my different voices that I have. He's like, it's almost like use voice A, use voice B, use voice C, or, you know, and then uh, it, it, he, he's into the clarity of lyrics. And, and that's something that uh, has always disturbed me with, with old Pong records where people uh, didn't know really what I was saying. And it, I mean, it gets to the point where why write lyrics where, everything's being barked and uh, I don't think people have the attention level these days to be sitting with a lyric sheet. So uh, now we have lyric videos, which Pong did one, which is for turnover. And uh, that's something that I've really, really wanted to do for a really long time. And, um, you know, I mean, the clarity of vocals and then, you know, his mixing in his studio was great. I mean, we got all the gear that we want down there. So uh, as far as the tracking went, uh, you know, I went a different direction on this record with, with that, but uh, for for vocal production and mix down, uh, I'm really happy with him. And yeah. he's a great guy. He's, you know, he's a, he's a New York dude. He's you know uh, he's from Brooklyn, and uh, he uh, he's a big Jets fan. And you know, we get along like like brothers, really. So, growing up a Jets fan is very important. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a priority when it comes to music, but it's good to have a guy that's like into sports that you're working with because generally being in bands, you know, people, you know, they they reject sports a lot and, you know, it's hard to get, you know, any kind of conversations going with people because, uh, 
you know, they're more concerned with horror movies and, uh, you know, uh, porn stars, et cetera. Sure. Sure. So you guys are talking about like Wesley Walker fumbling on the tech. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, you know the butt fumble of Sanchez, and you now the draft. And I actually talked to him about the draft yesterday, and uh, uh, we collided on a couple of issues. But uh, you know, Gino is a big issue. Anyhow, we're back to music. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I grew up in the in northern New Jersey, so I was lucky. Oh, okay. Cool. To Plenty of Jets and Giants games growing up. So nice. Um, I wanted to point out that, you know, the first time that I listened to the album, I put "Ruining Lives" on. It comes back to what you just described with the vocal performance. Uh, you know, I've always been a fan of the band, and you know, there were always hooks and a lot of different things that always drew me into the band. But it almost made me like double take to say, holy shit, you know, where are all these melodies coming from? Where, you know, it as good as carved into stone was, it just seems like the vocal performance on this album just put it over the top and really places it within some of the classic albums that you've put out in the past. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, that's. As I've grown, uh, with on-the-job training, you know, singing. I mean, I never even thought I'd be a vocalist in a band, and uh, I've had to learn and adapt as I went along. So, uh, you know, it's taken this long to get to a point where I feel that you know that, that I, I'm actually competitive. Not to sound like that it's a it's a uh, you know some kind of uh, you know uh, game of sorts, but it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I wanted to bring up to a level where, you know, I mean, naturally, I don't think I have the greatest voice in the world, so it's, uh, I, I need to you focus on, on the, those hooks, you know, really to bring it across. Otherwise, it's just boring, really, you know. So uh, then you have to rely too much on effects, and, you know, uh, which Prong has done. I mean, you know, the, the, I think a, a lot of so-called industrial metal has relied on, you know, certain distortions and vocal... And, and other uh, you know, long echoes, et cetera, for, for the vocals to come across because uh, there really wasn't any melody involved in it. So, or, you know, and, and most metal stresses just the, you know, a, a violent vocal you know, or a scary voice. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm too old and, and, and been doing it too long to uh, be excited about that. So it's really, you know, a, a good... A good lyric and some sort of uh, hook is where I, you know, tend to try to shoot for. It's very difficult. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like I'm writing Billy Joel songs here. You know, it's uh, it's difficult to to put that into something like Prong, which is again, you know, based on hardcore and and thrash. You know, so uh, you know, there's been guys that are great at that. You know, you know, you have to really look at, at Metallica and like the hooks and vocal melodies that they've had are always really impressive where, you know, I mean, I'm a huge Slayer fan, you know, it's right. like the two different directions went to, you know, I, I just don't think if Prong continued on a route of straight, straight barking and, you know, uh, gruff vocals, uh, that, uh, it would be anything interesting for me anymore. Gotcha. As far as the lyrical content, what inspires you to come up with the lyrics? I read that this is the fastest album that you've written and put together. So was there one thing that you sort of 
sat there thinking about to sort of tie everything together and write the lyrics out, or was it various things that you pulled from? Uh, I've said it before. I really didn't have any concept with with anything it, with, with lyrics. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's something that's very natural. Uh, you know, where uh, during the day, some uh, something that uh, triggers my imagination, I'll. Uh, I'll write a, a title on on my phone, and you know somebody talks to me on in a conversation. I'm like, oh, that'd be an interesting topic, or you know, a title, and uh, you know, I, I just the, the the words generate from that, and uh, uh, you know, I, there's there's just stuff from my, my vocab, my mental vocabulary that uh, uh, tend to come out with the the lyrics, and you know, as far as topics go, I mean, the title tra- track is just uh, is more of a, a, a a track that's it almost retreads into the old days where uh like a beg to differ type of vocal whereas uh, you know you're an outsider from you know general society and you know that that type of topic and you just uh don't feel like you fit into the scheme of where the world is going you know, at this point and uh it's so hard to make a buck there's another uh, vibe and you know i think it's just general topics that that people uh, you can relate to in in this time where you know life is pretty complicated. So I, uh, you know, I've I've generated some opinions on certain things that I like to express, and being uh, trying to have some kind of spirituality in these days uh, is uh, is an is an option for me, and uh, that's something that I present in the lyrics as well. And as far as people that worked with you on the album, in the past you've had Monty Pittman pulling uh, double duty, and on this album you did somewhat similar. You had a drummer and bass player. Actually, it was just you and someone else that recorded the album. Yes, that's true. That was a blessing. I mean, this is what... I mean, uh, instances like that, these magical things uh, that happen uh, even during the process... Uh, you know, give me some kind of like gratitude that I put into some of the lyrics as well. Uh, you know, like the last record, you know, Tony Campos was around and, you know, he's a good friend of mine and we sat down and re- wrote some stuff. I mean, I like working with another guy like head on, like, you know, collaboratively, even if, if a complete song is written, which in this, in this instance, uh, you know, there was a good amount that I had actually prepared on my own. But inevitably, it has to be thrown against to somebody else and uh, let them put some finishing touches and get their opinions on things. Somebody that I trust. Right. And then, uh, you know, it, it goes the other way where, you know, Chris Collier, he had some ideas. And I was like, that's awesome. I know exactly what to do at that time to make this thing a prong song. And, uh, you know, it, it's just so I've been doing it for so long. It, it's it's just so in, 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 embedded into me and hardwired that it really didn't take that long to figure these things out and, and know exactly where to go with stuff. So, you know, Chris was amazing. It's like, you know, I, I like to be around quick workers, guys that do things real fast and, uh, and are, are definitive in their, their, uh, opinions. And, and, you know, I don't argue with anybody when they, when they're like that, it's just, uh, you know, we go with it and it always works out. So develop and the same thing with Evitz, you know, that, that kind of trust is really needed, uh, to get things done, and that's why you know, you know, I'm giving production credits on the record because, uh, you know, it had to be done within a certain amount of time, and it had to be finished and finalized, and uh, you have to just make a lot of decisions 
that that allow everything to come into that time frame. So whether that you know, I mean, fiddling around with things for you know hours is is not the way to make those things happen. And you know, generally, I'm in that role of 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 uh, getting things done and making those decisions. And you know, we were ahead of time actually. By the time uh, you know, uh, we had a, a three month period to finish record write, and finish the whole thing and uh you know we made that so that, you know i'm pretty proud how of does your work and in, in the outside projects you've worked in with danzig and ministry and things like that over the years how do you feel that's influenced your songwriting within prong it really hasn't okay uh you know and i i could firmly say that because I mean, actually, with ministry, it, like I, I came in there with completely written stuff. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, Al put vocals on it. So uh, whether I, got, I mean, I got a nominal amount of credit for that. And, you know, I may sound bitter about the whole thing, but you know, essentially, uh, you know, like anything that I worked with them musically was was you know I had done on my own and brought it in there. And it's the same thing with Prague, you know, where, you know, I'll have stuff pretty much mapped out, bring it in, and, you know, whoever I'm collaborating with. I mean, there's other instances, like I described earlier, but, you know, like, like uh, and then with Glenn, you know, Glenn writes everything himself and, uh, you know, has me there with him in the, in the process. Uh, you know, I, I almost take that role, like what Glenn has, and apply that to other people where, you know, uh, I'll have, uh, you know, another person there finalizing stuff on and the difference with me is like, yeah, I'll, I'll give somebody half the credit, you know, of, of the writing process where, you know, uh, Glenn understandably so, because it's Danzig, et cetera, that he'll take all the actual credit for the writing of the song. I can't go that way. I, I don't do what other people do, you know. Like, I, I just, you know, I'll, I'll watch and I'll, I'll, I'll hang out and uh, I'll accept what they do, but, you know, I have totally my own agenda on, on everything. Gotcha. And it makes sense. I mean, a lot of people, you know, point out that certain bands have, say, a revolving door of musicians or this or that. But you always have that sort of central piece that's always pushing that band's agenda forward and usually always has a clear, concise vision as to where the band needs to go. So I'm... It, it's not, I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, I think years ago, I think that one of the, the main problems with Fong, I mean, it worked in certain instances, uh, like, you know, like with Cleansing, uh, that record, you know, there was sort of a stylistic concept that w was, uh, that I had actually in, in mind. Uh, I mean, and that record was, I mean, I was on my own doing that as well, where, you know, a lot of that stuff, I was in a, in a bathroom in my apartment in Brooklyn, just trying to figure out where we were going to go on, on that. And, you know, like these, these sorts of decisions that had to be made where, you know, there was, there was a plethora of thrash bands and, and, you know, trying to figure out conceptually where you're going with it. Uh, as time goes on with, with me, I guess from doing so many records, it's like it's nothing you really have to think about. So, uh, you know, that, that's it, it's a, it's I have to be grateful that it's gotten to that point in you know, my career where I, I can do that and, and where I could feel that way. And uh, I think this was actually the first record where it all came together, where you know, I, I had that confidence that and belief that, you know, it would work out in the end where, you know, a lot of times you're panicked in the middle of a record or a writing process. And w when you're in that space, that's where it gets bad, where you're thinking too much and uh, you're worried about the outcome and, and you can't be in that place at all. I mean, you know, uh, I really feel on, on Rooting Lies, I, I really didn't go into that space. I was completely... Uh, 
uh, had this this amazing confidence that it was going to work out, and 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 I, I, that that's not anything from me. It was it, it's just like it was a gift of sorts, and uh, it's it's a hard thing to explain. But uh, I mean, his book's been written about it, and uh, I finally felt I, I got to that place. Whether I ever you know have that experience again is is something that you know I hope, but uh, you know it was every it's just you know it's. It's something outside. I mean, I mean, it's metaphysical. It really is. I mean, I, I have to say that because, uh, you know, uh, I really didn't have any concepts or any sense of direction at all. You know, going into it and finishing it, and you know, even down to the to the mixes. Uh, you know, we really didn't have any any idea where we well, were. While I was listening to Ruining Lives, the first band that sort of came into my mind outside of Prong was Overkill, and I thought, you know, wow, Overkill and Prong are just about the only bands that, as time has gone by, they've been able to steadily put out not good music, but great music, and built upon, you know, the past, and I think that Ruining Lives proves this, and it was a kick to see two days later after hearing the album that you guys are going to be doing Kill Fest with Overkill throughout Europe. Do you feel that this is a good fit for Prong? Oh, of course. I mean, I, it's something that we jumped at the opportunity. I mean, I, I mentioned the word legacy before, and, you know, if, if any band around applies to the, that word, it's definitely them. Because, I mean, it, it, and I think that it, we come from a different era where it was, it was just, and, and it's another thing that's hard to describe, really, but... Uh, you know, uh, it, it has a lot to do with the street mentality of things, right. and uh, uh, it's uh, whether that's an East Coast vibe or what have you. But I mean, you could add the geographical element to it. Sure. You know, and, and uh, I think that helps. It's uh, uh, there's a certain amount of pain that has to go into 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 getting your chops together, and you know, and and uh, being a band. And I think you know, Overkill, the the, the survival instinct that you know, like long, bands that have been around a long time, and that's something that is the driving force between in, in metal or hard music, where it's like you know you you're trying to you know you overcome struggles, and uh, you know uh, you know this is nothing to say against you know like kids that that are born in in a, in a favorable position or anything, but you know uh, you know this there's, there's, there's a little bit difference between you know, bands that parents are, are, are like supporting the band and, you know, uh, buy them a, a rehearsal studio and all this gear and, you know, uh, get them the right haircuts and buy them tattoos and, you know, have this, uh, everything given to them and, you know, become successful. And then, then bands that, you know, how to like, you know, deliver papers and, uh, you know, uh, you know, deal with, uh, you know, street violence growing up in, in order to do what they do. So, uh, you know, that has a lot to do with it. And I, it's just like, you know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to stop because you just, you, you know, the pain and the struggles that you had to go through to get to this point. So to g give it all up and, and not keep moving ahead is sort of throwing your whole life away in a, in a, in a sense, you know, and remembering all those early, uh, you know, dilemmas and problems that you had from the minute you picked up an yeah, instrument. I, I, I hear you. I, like I said, grew up in, in the area, and I do think that bands from the area just have a certain something, the, you know, the struggles or, or the blue-collar mentality that... Yeah, I guess that that's a blue-collar mentality, you know. You know, 
So, uh, you know, there's certain things you don't accept and there's a lot of things you do, but yeah. you know, one, one thing, uh, uh, I, I mean, I just think that, that, that adds longevity to something and, and that's not from my decision. That's why I don't, you know, kids that are growing up in that situation or, or anything like that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's like, you know, that that's where you are and that's where it's going. I, I just think that, you know, again, like, you know, like I, I still focus on like legacy bands, older bands that, that uh, you know, and I think that now with like we going back to the Spotify conversation, I think that you know the uh, the, the the younger audiences are going to appreciate that more now because there was a period where you know all they can focus on is what's being promoted by you know major labels, you know, in record stores, and now they could actually get an idea of an identity of of like you know what what's real and what's just manufactured by you know. Uh, by labels and you know there's still a lot of that that goes on so um uh, you know and, and those bands those bands are fine they just don't seem to last like you know we, we we're looking into the everyone's talking about baby metal now and it's like <laughs> uh you know i mean you talk about something that's been calculated and manufactured and put together by you know people with a lot of money that's that's what's what's you know that's what will sell for you know a, a period of period of time, but you know eventually you know the longevity aspect of it won't be there. So you know there's two ways to look at that: to go for longevity and you know uh, stick to what you want to do, or you want to you know blow it all out in a couple of years and then you know work for your dad's uh, construction company or you know architectural firm or something. So it's two ways of doing it. You've been using Schecter for years now. Why are Schecter guitars so important? To not only you, but to the prong sound. I'm more I'm more uh, uh, aligned with the the company and and the guys uh, that that run it. And you talk about guys that started with nothing and built themselves up. I mean, these guys are just like band dudes that started out in a little room, uh, you know, on Hollywood Boulevard. I mean, on Sunset Boulevard, and now they have like this 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 huge dynasty, you know, of sorts. To, you know, in America, just churning out tons of guitars. I mean, so, I mean, they, you know, it's like, it has a lot to do with where the, the company came from, and I've been with them for a really long time and what they've built on, you know, and they've been so supportive of me. Like, I could, I could go over there and, and go, hey, you know what, can you fix this, or you can work on this guitar, or, you know, let's work on a signature model, and they do it. So, that, I mean, it's a, it's a lot to do with the support and, and, you know, my appreciation for where they came from and, and, and and I like the guys over there, you know, like Mike Cervolo is the president of the company. He's like, he's a really good friend of mine. So, you know, and Mark LaCourt, you know, when no one else would have anything to do with me, uh, you know, he was just like, yeah, okay, I'll throw you some guitars. And then we got all our stuff stolen and then like they sent stuff out the next day, you know, I mean, dealing with a bigger company or, I mean, well, actually they're getting, they're pretty huge and they still treat me really well, you know, so uh, that means a lot to me. Okay, yeah, and the guitars are great. I mean, like I, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm the kind of guy. You know, like you know, especially with amps and gear. Like you know, uh, I'm very adaptable. I mean, essentially, uh, you know, like you give me like like an old SG or something, and you know, I'll, I'll make it work. You know, and you know, I'll go. You give me some old Marshall amp or, or whatever amp that I can plug into. It really. I'm not one of these gear hounds. I just never, you know, I you know, I could play a guitar that hasn't been restrung in, in six months, and I'll be like, okay, whatever, I just got to deal with it. We actually spoke a while back, and it was regarding 
uh, Cleansing, where the album was featured during a series of mine, a classic album series. And I actually spoke to you when you were uh, in a hotel in Germany, I believe it was, touring with Danzig. Uh, and this was, I don't know, two, three years ago, possibly. Okay. Um, there are three albums that I'm going to be featuring in upcoming episodes. Uh, I wanted to see if you might be interested in commenting on them only because they sort of tie into geographically and just you've toured with certain bands or had or played some of their music in the past so i just wanted to see if i could get some quick comments from you if if you were down with that if not i mean no big deal no i'm fine with that okay the first album that i'm going to be featuring shortly is going to be the misfits earth ad obviously you've been playing with danzig and you've had your chance to play some Misfits material, but also, I mean, it's well documented that you worked at CBGB's and everything, and, you know, that club meant a lot for the New York hardcore scene, and the Misfits obviously meant a lot. So to they this. meant a lot to me, yeah. I mean, before I even started hanging out with Glenn, without a doubt. Yeah. But what was your impression of the band when you first heard them? Well, I was familiar with them because, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm of the age that I remember when, you know, they were playing Max's and it was a different type of band back then where they were, a, you know, they started out almost like a new wave hardcore band. It's when they, you know, when uh, Walk Among Us came out and I was very good friends with Arthur McGuggan, who's Boogie. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, we actually had started another band called Antidote uh, and, uh, you know, I was in the early incarnations of that hardcore band. And then, uh, but uh, Walk Among Us, that kicked my ass. And then uh, Earth AD was just that, you know, like on steroids. I mean, that was just, I mean, the riffs, everything. It was a dark record. You know, Demonomania, Blood Feast is still one of, two of my favorite Misfits songs. Uh, you know, Green Hell is a, is a classic. I mean, those are those are amazing songs on that. I mean, that's probably I would say Earth AD and, and almost bridged into like metalcore a little bit. So uh, you know, uh, it's definitely. And I always try to get Glenn to. And for some reason, he 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 diverted back into the old Misfits ones. You know, the Static Age type material. He likes to do right. more, but. Uh, you know, uh, every time I go into like the blood feast riff, he tells me to shut the fuck up. So, you know, it's like, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, a classic, classic record. I have it on my iPod, you know, it's like, uh, it, it's a killer record. I mean, that changed a lot for, you know, the whole horror core, uh, I, I mean, I, I mean, it's still, you have kids 16, 14, 12 that, that have those records and, you know, you talk about a legacy again, you know, I mean, those, it, it influenced, you know, millions of bands, you know, it's, it's in a whole subculture it, that, you know, Glenn really started. Do you feel that this album had something to do with the start of hardcore music itself? I've read that in the past and I've had people also dispute that saying that they felt that black flag or bad brains may have actually done hardcore before earth ad came out oh yeah no i mean it, it goes earlier than that uh, uh i think glenn picked up uh i hope he has doesn't listen to this because he'll freak out but I, mean, I think glenn picked up on what was going on which was was speed was starting to come into punk and i i would say hardcore really started uh essentially with minor threats the bad brains 
Um, a little bit after that, Cro-Mags, uh, and then from the West Coast, you had the Dead Kennedys, and, uh, you know, Black Flag were, you know, in New York, they were never considered a hardcore band because they, they were considered too artsy. Okay. So, um, uh, I, I don't know really where to put Black Flag. I almost put Black Flag between hardcore and swans. Okay. You know, it was, it was, it was too, uh, you know, cerebral. So I can't really put them into hardcore at all. I don't know. Black Flag is Black Flag. But I mean, as far as hardcore goes, it's definitely Bad Brains, uh, Minor Threat, and uh, the Chromags. There was a band called uh, called Blood Clot that were a precursor, that were around. It was a combination of, of uh, Chromags and Bad Brains. Like Earl was playing with them, and they were they were right at the beginning of that too. And you can't really rule out Motorhead too, because I mean, they, you know, and, and then inevitably Venom, I think influenced a lot that would inevitably come out, you know, from metalcore, et cetera. COC came in a little bit later too. You can't really rule them out. Okay. Cool. Being, being historian here, you know, yeah, but the, no, that's absolutely great. I mean, it's funny. I can, sometimes can't get two words out of people and I love when people actually you know are able to take a topic and explain that much into it and I mean I've obviously learned from what you just described so well I mean I, I mean I was there so I mean it was <laughs> I mean I, I mean I was I worked the hardcore matinees at CB's for four years I hung out there uh, right at the beginning of the whole thing which is you know I could essentially say you know early 80s and, uh, you know, I remember when the Circle Jerks and Dead Kennedys came out and, and, and that was, we were blown away by, you know, the speed. And then, you know, Motorhead, too, coming from, you know, Europe. And it was like, we never heard anything like it before. It was just completely different, you know. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why I could say I was really there and, you know, in, in the clubs. Cool. Yeah, I, I specifically picked these three albums out because of your connection to the bands and just the scene. I figured you'd have a, a good take on things. The next album that I wanted to ask you about is Fear Factory's Demanufacture. You've obviously toured with them, and both bands, I think, have similar influences and similar things that maybe they've uh, borrowed from you guys in the past. And obviously you've worked with Burton in yeah. industry as well. So I wanted to ask you about this album, what you thought about when they first came out and what this album, what you feel about this album. I really got into the, the, the remix record that they did from, from that, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the album itself didn't blow me away initially. Um, the remix records, I don't know. I thought it was brilliant. I think Reese worked on that and I, you know, I mean, that's a group that I really like. It's like probably, you know, as far as like metal bands go, they're in like, you know, like top five. So, uh, you know, because it's, it's, uh, it's based on the groups that I, that, that, that I like, which again, you know, I mean, it's like Godflesh and Swans and, uh, you know, there's a group called Headed David that were around years ago that, you know, that Fear Factory sort of uh, emerged from, liking those bands so rather than rather than it strictly coming from you know the iron maidens and uh you know the, the, the which you know prong really never had anything to do with and i you know we, we don't come from those the power metal scene at all 
So, you know, and that's why I always like Fear Factory. Like, you know, as far as where they really put it together, and, I, you know, this, not to take away from the manufacturer, but, um, you know, uh, Mechanize, to me, is their, their best record, and uh, I really, that, that record blows me away. And that, that was just that, it, probably the best industrial metal record ever put out. So, you know, the thing, the, the, the thing that just started, that, you know, um, they were, that, that Z-Manufacture uh, was, uh, uh, was new metal, but it, it reflected, it was completely different because it was new metal, but it reflected upon, you know, Godflesh and, you know, uh, early Napalm Deaths, et cetera, which is, uh, those, those groups have always been really cool in, in my eyes. There's a little bit of grindcore, you know, it's like grindcore meets you know, what was happening here with, you know, at, on the West Coast, which is, you know, uh, I'm not going to say rap metal, but, you know, like Korn and uh, bands that they were focusing on, you know, on heavy rhythms rather than, uh, you know, solos and, you know, long extended intros and strict metal characteristics. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's been well documented how they rose up with a lot of other similar bands from California. So it's an... yeah. No, I mean, there's a California element into it that that is distinct. You know, you you can't you can't take away from that. And uh, you know, being an East Coaster, I mean, uh, uh, you know that, that you really you know there was something shocking that was going on that you know uh, almost you know. Uh, it, 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 that vibe is it, it seemed to hit the East Coast like way later, and it's still going on with like bands like Emure, mm -hmm. you know, where they're uh, still focused on that. Where I, I thought it would die out a little bit, but it, apparently it hasn't. Okay, and the last album that I wanted to talk to you about, last album and band, is Sick of It All. The album uh -huh. is built to last. Obviously, they came up around the same time that. You guys did from New York, and I'm assuming that you guys crossed paths at some point. When oh uh, well, th th that's an understatement, <laughs> right? I mean, we're like connected at the hip of some weird thing because, first of all, I don't know whether in a past life those guys were like you know related to me or something. I mean, we're it's like you know uh, they're actually from my old neighborhood in Queens, so I mean they're from like the same block. Right. So that I don't know whether there's, you know, uh, like Satan came into that neighborhood and took it over or something, but it's like, it, it's just bizarre because, you know, they grew up like a couple of years younger than me. And, uh, you know, those guys, I, I see them all the time. I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous. And, you know, we're still in contact and, you know, and I used to mix them all the time at CDs. I mean, they, I mean, they, we did come up, we came up about the same time. And, uh, you know, initially I, you know, uh, like the the records, I wasn't like completely into that much. But right. like the thing that 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 makes them great is they're probably the best hard live hardcore band of all time, without a doubt. I mean, you know they're up there. Uh, you know, Hatebreed and them, I would consider like the, the greatest shows I've seen ever. So, um, you know, uh, I I really I if if that band is playing, like you know. Uh, uh, I definitely, if at a festival in Europe, I'll run and go see them because it, it's, it still blows me away how good they are. I mean, I just can't believe it, It's mind-boggling. 
I mean, uh, I just, they have everything down, like, to perfection. And they've always been that way. It's like they came out of the box like that, you know. It's not like, again, you know, being like a post-punk guy, you know, it's not the kind of records I would, I would listen to. But I, I do listen to them. I mean, like, Alexi Rodriguez is a massive sex, Sick of a Wall fan. And, you know, on, you know, in the van or wherever we're at, we, we listen to them all the time. That record's amazing. I think that's the best record. Overwise. I mean, that, you know, they've had subsequent records, like the later records, that are really great, too. Yeah, another another band, similar to what you're saying, another legacy act that's been yeah. able to keep things together and, you know, just build upon, you know, what they've laid down in the past. Well, what's smart about those guys is that, they, you know, now they're all like millionaires. They, they knew how to save their money. <laughs> it's like, you know, they're good Jewish kids from Queens, so they were able to you know, uh, know exactly what to do to build a career around it where, you know, like your life of agonies and biohazards, you know, Prong and these other guys, we like squandered our money and had to like somehow, you know, you know, we all like look to those guys and we're like, you know, those bastards, you know, like they knew when we were like riding around in buses and pretending we were rock stars, they were, uh, you know, like in a van, you know, setting up their own gear and like, yeah, you you laugh now, but we're, you know, we're going to have like houses on the beach in Florida and you guys are going to be like, you know, uh, struggling. So they were smart. Awesome. I appreciate you uh, giving me comments for those three albums and yeah. giving me insight, you know, that's specifically why I wanted to ask you about that stuff. And, you know, I knew that something great would come out of it. Um, where should people go to keep up with what you're doing with Prong? Is there a website? Is it the Facebook? Is it Twitter? What do you prefer people to go check out? Yeah, all that. I, I think essentially the Facebook Prong page uh, is is the right now is is the one to look at. But we just we just redid our uh, actual website, which is prongmusic.com. Okay. And that's coming together really well. We've gotten a lot, really nicely. We've gotten uh, a lot of compliments on that. So uh, check that out, prongmusic.com. You can go to you know, Prong on uh, Facebook, too. So uh, Twitter, I'm on there every day. Uh, I don't post a lot of, you know, of, of me, like, you know, eating at a pizzeria and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, I'm just not that into myself. But, you know... Uh, as a forum, uh, I, I like when people write comments. And there's been, if you want to see some of the positive reviews of of ruining lives, that's the place to go to because uh, they're, they're all in there. And uh, you know, uh, I, I out of the dozens and you know, almost reaching about a hundred reviews right now all over the world of the record, it, it was you know, I mean, I could legitimately say there was. Like one review that was was lukewarm out of all that, uh, the rest of them had just been bombastically, uh, you know, uh, positive. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a whole we have unbelievable amount of shows this year uh, coming up, uh, more than Prong has had in in decades. So uh, we're you know uh, soon I'm I'm leaving and I'll be back in November. So. Uh, you know, we, we're hitting everywhere. So if you want to see where we're playing, that's coming up. We got, you know, two overkill tours coming up, and uh, you know, and then there's a bunch of shows in between that, and it's just out of control, crazy right now. Awesome. Do you have anything on the horizon? 
uh, with Danzig or any other? Yeah, I was actually in the studio with him the last couple of days. We've been in and out uh, working on the new album. It's it the, all the songs are done. So uh, you know, uh, he it's just about finished. He's just got to mix it now. And I don't know when he's going to do that, but uh, and then uh, there's another record in the in the box, and uh, that that's the cover record where he does a bunch of Elvis songs and stuff. And right. it's like uh, that he's I don't know whether why he's holding on to that, but that's that's going to come out eventually. So there's two records done. I right. mean, whether when he puts it out, I don't know. And then there's yeah, we're doing. I you know next week I go over to Sweden and uh, and. Finland for Sonosphere with Danzig, and then we have playing in uh, Phil Anselmo's Holly, uh, haunted uh, Halloween thing down in Austin on the 25th of October, and then there's a show in. So uh, I, I forget the name of the festival. There's one in Montreal uh, coming up too. So there's a little stand. I'm still doing, I'm double dutying it. Yeah, I'm like you know, it's like that's. What, so uh, other than, you know, the craziness with Prong and in doing that, you know, I, you know, I'm just catching up on Game of Thrones and stuff like that. So, Awesome. You're all, you're all caught up with season four? Yeah. I got sucked into Breaking Bad, too. I watched, it was doing marathons with my daughter watching that, and uh, that's my life. So there you have it. Hey, this is Tommy Victor, guitar player, singer for Prong. And you're listening to Mars Attacks. Yeah. 
There you go, right to nothing off of Beg to Differ by Prong. Want to thank, obviously, Tommy Victor for coming on the show and giving me a history lesson, man. That's one of the reasons why I love doing these classic albums columns is that you get people from bands to talk about certain periods of time, certain albums, certain things that they were sort of in the mix with at the time when they came out. And it's just awesome to have someone like Tommy Victor just go through album after album and discuss band after band and get his unique flavor and side of of things. So very cool. Want to thank him. Want to thank John Freeman for setting everything up and want to thank you guys, the listeners, for definitely chiming in and uh, not only listening to the show but sending me you know, messages via Facebook and messages via email. Uh, you could do all that great stuff or check in via Twitter. Uh, just go to the right-hand side of MarsAttacksRadio.com. You'll find links to all that. And uh, it's probably the easiest way to get there once you're there. You know, favorite the Twitter, Facebook, so on and so forth. And help spread the word, you know. Um, help us get out there and do... You know, what we can to help promote these great bands and, you know, do what we can through, in this case, my podcast. Um, what I do intend on doing is recording a bunch of backups so that there isn't such a lapse in time. So let's see how that works out because, you know, sometimes you, um, you really have something in mind and when it comes time to executing it, you know, things just don't work out. So... Uh, I've sort of been playing, you know, B-sides here, or, or not B-sides, you know, just like hidden tracks. Let, let's do one, you know, just for the hell of it. One that's definitely, you know, a, a single per se. Something that in the heyday you could find on Headbangers Ball. And, you know, nothing better. In that case, unless you're going to check out something from Cleansing, <laughs> you know, is to uh, check out the classic, classic, classic Prove You Wrong. So let's end it with that. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast.
Thank you for listening to Mars Attacks. To follow the radio show and podcast, like us on Facebook by going to Facebook forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. You'll find us on Twitter also. Follow us at Mars Aries 2005. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, or just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to download or stream episodes. Or you can just go to the homepage of MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more about the radio show and podcast. This concludes our show.